and welcome to GMI, the Guitar and Music Institute. This is podcast episode number 52. My name is Jed Brocky, and a big hello to you out there. It's been quite some time since the last podcast episode. There is a new website getting built called GMI Premium, which is at, funnily enough, gmipremium.com. GMI Premium is going to have the best guitar content and it's going to go into many other areas. So it's not just going to be a rehashed YouTube experience. There'll be no advertising. Now, one of the people that's going to be providing that content is the person that you're going to be introduced to today. His name is Kostas Vaporidis and he's from Greece. And Kostas is someone that I met a long time ago. He actually was a student of mine. He now lives back in Greece and you're going to hear all about his journey, his musical journey, uh, what he does for a living and some of the brilliant projects that he takes part in. I'm absolutely delighted, thrilled to have this guy on board. I know that he's going to bring so much to the table and I know that uh, this is a great way of you getting to know Kostas, hear what he's about and hear some of the plans that we've got planned for GMI Premium. So here is that interview with Costas coming up now. Costas, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Jed. Hello from Greece, actually. Yeah, hello from Greece, indeed. And um, I think the the listeners might be interested to know that we we've not really kept in contact. But the first time we met was, and it was you that told me that this. It was about fifteen years ago. Yeah, it was back in uh, September 2008, I think. Wow, I can't even yeah. remember that far back. So, back in Edinburgh. What were you doing in Edinburgh at that time? I was uh, 19 years old and I got accepted in uh, at Napier University in Edinburgh. And now it is called Edinburgh Napier University, isn't it? I think that's correct. You're more up on it than me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to study for uh, the popular uh, performance studies course, and you were my tutor in year at year one. So, how did someone in Greece hear about a course in Scotland, Costas? How did that come? Well, first of all, it was before the financial crisis uh, hit Greece, so it was very common for people to invest to an education in uh, the UK, which was a lot cheaper back then, and especially. Uh, before the years before Brexit, you remember back then, uh, as European citizens in Scotland, we didn't have to pay tuition fees. So it was really common. How did you actually, how did that come yeah. across? Because it's, I, 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 rightly or wrongly, I don't think of Greek people knowing that much about Scotland. Well, we do know about uh, the island, of course. And... Scotland has a great uh, reputation of uh, its uh, educational institutions, so the University of Edinburgh, for example. Um, but Greek people probably learn more about Scotland uh, by watching Braveheart, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, isn't that, isn't that the truth about everybody? Yeah, anyway, and um, back then uh, I wanted to pursue uh, an academic uh, training in uh, music and the limitation in the Greek programs were uh, I would either have to become a musicologist or uh, a classical guitar performer. There was only one jazz department in Corfu back then, I think. 
That sounds a nightmare, studying jazz in Corfu. Yeah. No, 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 it's... Uh, sounds great. <laughs> I've got several friends that studied there. It's uh, great, but my stylistic approach as a guitar player back then was, uh, you know, hard rock and heavy metal. So I thought the most... Uh, a wise choice for me would be to go for popular performance. And so I started searching for several courses um, all around Britain. Uh, actually, I, I got accepted in Napier, in uh, Leeds. I know it well, because that's where I went. That's where you went, yeah, that's right. And a couple more uh, courses, I can't really recall them right now. It's been so long. <laughs> And because I had um, a few friends living in Edinburgh, uh, I thought it would be a, a nice idea to go over there. Plus, uh, it was a lot cheaper uh, concerning the tuition fees. Because uh, through SAS, I remember it was this organization, that uh, government organization that uh, would cover the entirety of the tuition fees for European students. It was a weird one, that, wasn't it? Because if you were European, you could get all your all your fees for your education paid. But if you were English, coming to Scotland, you would have to pay the full amount. Oh, really? Yeah, that's... I, that's, did, I, I didn't really know that. Yeah, the, wow. uh, yes. So only people outside of the United Kingdom other than those in Scotland. So people in Scotland would get it free and still do. And people in Europe would get it free. But because Scotland is part of the UK, other regions of the UK, like England and Wales and Northern Ireland, they would ha they have to pay. Oh, really? I had no idea this yeah. was the case. So you got yeah. lucky there, you see? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, so by the time you came to college... Were you wanting you, you were talking about heavy metal and that? Who were your big influences when you started out? I remember um, when I started playing the guitar, I was around twelve years old. I took up a classical guitar lessons at uh, the music school uh, at my neighborhood's uh, music school. Now, should, we should tell them you come from Thessalonica, don't you? Yes, Thessaloniki, Greece. This is the second uh, largest urban area in Greece after Athens. It's a million and a half people live here. Anyway, so uh, I took up classical guitar lessons uh, when I was 12. And a year after that, I went to study in a music high school. We have these schools here all over Greece. And it's like a normal high school plus you get lots of musical training. You get uh, theory lessons, harmony lessons. Uh, obligatory piano lessons, uh, you get um, an instrument of your choice. So uh, I've chosen guitar, of course, and uh, classical was the only option there. So, But at the same time, I got exposed uh, by an uncle of mine to Eric Clapton back then. And this was, uh, it was the unplugged album of uh, Eric Clapton that really it was actually my fir the first time I listened to anything that wasn't classical back then when I was uh, 13 years old. And I was like, wow, what is that? This sounds a lot different. And uh, I learned how to play Layla. This was my first experience in rock music. And my biggest influences would be, I don't know, I don't know if I can choose uh, less than 20 people, but it's lots of the 70s uh, 
classic classic rock guys uh, like uh, Richard Blackmore, Jimmy Page, Oli uh, Roth, the German guy that used to play in Scorpions in the 70s, was a great influence of mine because he was one of the first people together with Richard Blackmore that introduced the neoclassical element. What, neoclassicism? Yeah, into rock music. Gradually, until the age of... Uh, 18, 19, when I came to Edinburgh, I became a metalhead back then, yeah. So were you in any bands? Right now? No, back then. Oh, back then. Yeah, I played in various bands back then, uh, playing uh, either Greek music or small, you know, rock cover bands. In general, is there many places to play in Greece? Look, um, this is a very difficult uh, question to answer right now because... Greece back then, 15 years ago, was uh, a country before the financial crisis happened. So there were many, many, many opportunities to play live here in my hometown. Most of the venues right now are closed. So that financial crisis that hit Greece back in 2010, was it? 10, 11, 12, yeah, yes. it was... Uh, so that, that really wiped out a huge part of the entertainment industry. Yeah, exactly. And um, lots of venues closed. Uh, the private music schools, the, like the ones I'm working right now, uh, really, really suffered because people could not afford uh, to send their kids to learn music. It was too luxurious in many cases uh, for them. I remember back then, actually, Costas, just as an aside, I had some business to do in Leipzig. And I yeah. went down to Leipzig... I saw, as I got off the plane, there was a brand new Porsche factory being built. Yeah. And apparently that factory was built there to make quick access to send those cars to Greece. Oh, my God. And then, of (laughs) course, people want these things, then they have to pay for them. Yeah. But it's so cynical. Yeah, well, it's not really common to see such cars here. Of course, extremely rich people still get them as well here. But it's not really common. I've only seen here, and we're talking, I live in a city that is populated by a million and a half people. I've seen a Porsche like three times in my lifetime. So, yeah. But yeah, I get your point, of course. (laughs) So basically from there, you end up in Edinburgh. And was that a good experience for you or neutral or a bad one the terrifying uh, part was that i was a 19 year old in a foreign country uh that will and i find it really difficult to socialize or you know my english was okay but it was a little bit limited uh, i didn't really feel very comfortable for a while but on the other hand the course was great uh, and it was uh, very different from what I uh, had been used to here because uh, music education is uh, very, very differently uh, uh, organized here. So it's more academic actually, actually more into more oriented into classical music and uh, academia, to be honest. Sorry, but you see, that's interesting. When you talk about classical music, who do they look to then? Are they talking about the Germans, Italians, the French, or is there a hinterland of Greek classical 
musicians? There are some composers uh, you might have heard of, like uh, Mikis Theodorakis or uh, Manos Hadzidakis. There have been some guys older than this generation of composers, but we didn't export lots of classical music, of course, because we became a state in uh, 1821. So what we study is uh, Western classical music in Greece. And uh, back in the day, it used to be the only way of formal music education in the 50s, for example. Uh, you only had the opportunity to study orchestra instruments or piano Guitar, even classical guitar, was not recognized by the state in order for them to give you a certified diploma till 1987, if I'm not mistaken, which is ridiculous. Anyway. It's quite interesting, actually, because I mean, Scotland does have some composers, but you do find that countries that have a very strong, if I can use the word, ethnic identity... Yeah. So in Scotland, there's a lot of folk and Celtic music. That seems to have a negative impact on more structured classical things. But in Scotland's case, and I don't know if this is the same in Greece, you can tell us, Costas, in Scotland's case, when the Scottish king went down to England, that's when the, there was no court. There was no royal court anymore to fund composers like in France, England, in Germany, and, and is that the same in Greece? There was no king to fund the creation of high art. I'm not really aware of the history before uh, king st uh, stopped being a thing in Greece because uh, we did used to have a royal family in the king until the early 70s. And there was a, a referendum that uh, kicked him out of... Uh, actually, the Greek royal family was Danish. They were not Greeks. Anyway, classical music uh, over the 20th century was uh, the type of music that rich people would be listening in general, uh, the bourgeois. Greece is very rich in uh, folk music, of course. Uh, it's such a small country with uh, so much diversity in uh, the sounds you get to hear from in different parts of the country. And you get, you know, the country is located at a place that uh, there are influences from all over the place. You get Balkan sounds, you get Turkish sounds, you get, if you listen to traditional music from uh, a Greek island of the Aegean Sea, it sounds really, really different than uh, music, traditional music from the mainland. You know, everyday people uh, and the poor would listen to this type of music. They would uh, really, really, really not be aware of the classical sounds of the Western world. I never forget that uh, Greece became a modern state in 1830 after the revolution against the Ottoman Empire. Before that, for about uh, 400 years, uh, Greek populations here were part of uh, the Ottoman Empire. So their, uh, all their musical influences really, really got influenced by Ottoman music as well. And there was a, a great mixture. That answers the question, and that, that's yeah. why there isn't a, a huge amount of Greek composers in this Western tradition, I guess. Yeah, you will, um, if you do some research, you'll find some uh, names of contemporary classical composers of the 20th, early 20th century. That's when the 20th century is actually the 
era where Western uh, music uh, was uh, a thing in Greece, in, acad- in uh, music academia at least. So, okay, um, we've covered that. That I, I don't know how interested they'll be out there. I hope they are, because I certainly was interested. But let's move on to you, because it's about your musical journey. Now, you spent four years in, in Edinburgh. Did you go back to Greece after that? Because I know that you went to England to study in Bristol, I think. Actually, actually, Jed, uh, my story is a little bit different, because uh, I didn't get past the year one in Napier. Ah, you didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. You didn't know that. Um, I returned to Greece, actually, in uh, year two. And I switched into a music production course. Uh-huh. I completed that. And after that, I returned to the island uh, to do a master's in film scoring. But at the same time, I continued uh, doing my music school lessons in classical guitar and higher theory which is not university level, it's a part of, it's something similar to the grade system of the UK. So I also got uh, a diploma in uh, classical guitar performance and I got several courses uh, of higher theory, like, you know, uh, classical harmony, counterpoint, fugue. It's a whole crazy conservatoire system here, which is not university level, but the level of uh, training you get is uh, very, very high. Am I right in thinking you went to Bristol? Yeah. To do film scoring? Film scoring, right. What was your thinking at that point? And why did you leave after one year? Were you just homesick? Were you too young? This was the main reason. And actually, I think because of that, uh, I was... uh, feeling quite depressed and my parents started worrying a little bit because uh, in some cases didn't call them in like two weeks and they were really worried and they were like are you feeling okay maybe it would be a nice idea to take a break probably and you know this was the main reason i think i was just a young uh, naive and homesick <laughs> to be honest of course I, yeah i think everybody can get that i know even yeah, when yeah. i was living in leeds i was homesick <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So uh, at that age. But yeah, there, how did you find the, the film course at Bristol? And was that your main direction? Was that where you were really wanting to go into film scoring? Well, I've always been like a real big fan of film music and, and cinema in general. I really like watching films. When I did the music production course, I was at the point that they started uh, doing small compositions of several formats. And while I was in the music production course, uh, during uh, year three, I had to decide what to do for my thesis. So I did something really, really ambitious. And uh, of course, I needed to have the audio element, of course, because of uh, the nature of uh, my studies there. But I wanted to combine, combine composition and film scoring together with sound design. So what I did was the complete production of the sound of a short film. It was quite ambitious because I forced myself uh, for the first time, not being an experienced composer back then, to compose about 15 minutes of music, of orchestral music, uh, accompanying this film. And it was very ambitious and, uh, you know, it it was like uh, I was walking in the dark. But... After about six months, it uh, came out to be quite acceptable, to be honest, uh, to my ears too. And I uh, was very thrilled about this whole experience. And I think it changed my life. And uh, this is what uh, I've been telling my students, my guitar students right now, that 
you should dream big and you should uh, not think that you're not capable of doing something. You just have to be focused and very motivated and things will start happening. Glad you've come on to that because I have such you're such a talented guy and you've got such a, a great story and, and I think that is thing that, that I really would like to talk about. Young people getting into the business. So do you think just by taking some action in, in and of itself is a, a great motivator can really get the ball rolling for young people? It's nice being romantic and uh, trying to encourage people to get involved with uh, music or anything artistic. Not not necessarily in a professional level. I mean, uh, it's nice for anyone to be able to play an instrument. It's uh, a way to express yourself, a different way to express yourself. On the other hand, of course, the reality, you know, that it is a field that worldwide is suffering. Especially, this was very, very, very... Uh, became really prominent during the COVID uh, crisis and the pandemic. So we live in an age that uh, a musician needs to be able to have modern set of skills, like be very prominent with uh, technology. He or she should be able to record, produce his or her own music, teach, because teaching, I think, is something that is inevitable to do because it's a... the most obvious way to start earning some money for someone that has just uh, graduated from his studies. So, you know, it's like a a collection of many skills that uh, a modern musician should really invest to acquire. Okay, Kostas, do you think young people, should they look to academies or do you think because of YouTube and online resources, people can just do it themselves in their own way. What, what's your feeling about that? We live uh, in an age where, you know, information is traveling so fast and uh, the quantity of information is really vast. So it's very easy for someone to get lost. Wise words. Yeah. And I mean, uh, this is the difference, for example, if we take guitar lessons uh, as an example. It is much easier for a teacher guiding which information a student would look for, even online, rather than uh, someone that uh, never touched a guitar before trying to figure out stuff himself or herself. So yes, I'm, I totally think that online academies can be really, really informative. There are amazing YouTube channels, as I said before, that uh, provide uh, lots of knowledge uh, any topic in music, the thing is that how would a starter, how would uh, he filter the information that uh, he or she would go for to start with? Because uh, they w- it is very common for people uh, and uh, students of mine having uh, tried to learn themselves before to get lost uh, and uh, get stuck in uh, several certain things because of the vast access to information that has been happening over the last years. It is interesting, isn't it, that it's almost yeah. like an information overload. I actually thought about 10 or so years ago that perhaps part of my income comes from teaching people. Um, yeah. And I thought that would probably go down. But actually, it, it hasn't changed. Um, it's like it, it's never happened in some ways. People come. I had a, a student today. I taught her about a specific thing and she had no idea. She had never come across it. And it seems to me, and I would like to know what you think about this, is that it's it's almost like the same things are bubbling to the top on YouTube all the time. Uh, and other areas are completely neglected or maybe not even touched on. Yeah, uh, what I've noticed is um, 
In many cases, it's uh, a marketing scheme of uh, what information would a YouTuber provide. The marketing scheme is that I will provide you with a little bit of information, but you can go into my website and buy a complete lesson of uh, this particular topic. In many cases, it is used uh, for people to advertise their properly created lessons. And of course, th there's the, the other trap that there are people teaching things in a very wrong manner or a very boring approach, probably, or very, you know, intimidating approach. And people get scared. <laughs> we shouldn't knock the old online learning too much because the reason we are talking is you recently agreed to be part of GMI. And exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we've just been trashing it, folks. But actually, we're doing the same. But it's going to be absolutely brilliant. And it's yes, called GMI course. Premium. And without giving too much away, you, you've come up with some quite interesting ways of using animation or animated elements with thin lessons to help individuals. And that's something that you're looking to include in the GMI material. Yes, this was an idea I had because uh, for a starter that has never uh, touched uh, the instrument before, if you have to, for example, my idea was uh, to be able to animate guitar diagrams and the score. So we're not we're not going to give away too many trade secrets here, are we? No, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, this idea would be like above everything else, we are educators and we need to be really, really uh, helpful to the students in any way, and the visual aid especially in a video format, is uh, something really, really fruitful for an absolute beginner. Yeah, an absolute absolutely. Beginner. But I guess what, what I'm wanting to know is, are you going to be teaching any of that heavy metal stuff? Well, to be honest, I've not been into heavy metal playing recently a lot, but I would be capable to teach them, of course. That's yeah. what we want to hear, folks. Playing the heavy yeah, metal, yeah. can't get enough. Yeah, yeah. Now, other than doing the, the teaching, and what are you got in terms of work right now are you working in any local schools or colleges uh, well uh, my my main job well my main job is a part-time job uh, at two music schools I work four days a week for afternoons uh, a week there as a guitar teacher and I teach classical and electric guitar or modern guitar whatever it depends on what instrument uh, every student has available so what i'm planning to do over the last uh, couple of years is uh, i'm making a small home studio at my place well i hope you get that down in gmi premium that would be amazing to see that develop yeah my goal is to be able to it was a limitation that i didn't have a very organized place to work for audio production and my own music or film scoring or arranging. So that's what I have been doing over the last uh, couple of years. And of course, uh, everything got a little back because of uh, the pandemic, but it's soon going to be ready to get started with. And well, on the side, I have been doing some minor work for uh, scoring uh, small documentaries, uh, some student films in the past. My folk uh, in India, uh, Nilesh uh, has been uh, generous enough to get me involved with uh, arranging several soundtrack of big uh, Indian film productions, which has been... Bollywood's bigger than Hollywood, right? Exactly, yeah. It was a great opportunity for me because uh, I get to see how things work from the inside on such a large production. It's been really, really interesting. And uh, actually, it's really interesting to listen to... Apart from uh, the Western 
music soundtracks that they use. It's very interesting to listen to the Indian uh, rakas and uh, the, the the model system they're using. It's absolutely crazy in a good way, of course. That all sounds absolutely yeah. amazing. And of course, you know that I'll be bugging you for that kind of material to start popping up in some form on GMI Premium. Yeah. Well, listen, Costas, it's been absolutely fantastic a, getting to re-know you again, and B, this interview, I didn't realise you'd only done one year, and the reason, folks, that I got in touch with Costas, he's too uh, uh, humble to say so, was that the work that he submitted at the end of that first year, way back 15 years ago in April, was just the best, and I always remembered it, and I always thought, if I ever get a chance to work with this guy, I would like to do it, so I'm delighted that Costas is on board with GMI, and I'm really looking forward to the material that he's going to be producing but more than that it's just great to hear the story of you you know establishing yourself in Greece and there's that whole area of Greek music that I'm not aware of and I'm sure a lot of people aren't aware of and which we can hopefully bring to new eyes and ears through GMI Premium so cost us that would be amazing that would be amazing yeah and I'm I'm glad and uh, I'm glad and I'm uh, really happy to start uh, doing creative things with you. <laughs> okay, man. So thanks very much for taking part. And uh, yeah, we'll, this will be an ongoing thing that uh, I'm sure we'll have lots of updates for in the future. Cheers, Costas. Cheers, Jed. That's a wrap for another podcast. Not too long. I think uh, the shorter format's probably good for most people. I hope you enjoyed listening to Costas, the work he's done, the plans that we have moving forward with GMI Premium, you can go over to gmipremium.com and actually register on the site just now. There's, It won't be officially open for quite some time, but it would be great to have you on board and for it to get out there. But perhaps you would want to wait until we see more of the actual content that we'll be producing. So... My hope is that the next podcast episode is not going to take so long. But as I mentioned at the very beginning, there's some major publications coming out for for GMI, which will be available on Amazon. The first one is a book of solo hymns, believe it or not. Hymns for solo guitar at beginner, intermediate and advanced level. And the second book that will be coming out this year will be from the ever-brilliant James Akers, a selection of Scottish guitar songs. That's going to be another real winner, I think. People are going to love that. So, thank you for listening in. It's always a pleasure, never a chore, and hopefully I'm going to have your company on the next one. So, from me, Jed Brocky, bye for now.